Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Father, I just bless him again this morning. Lord, I thank you for last night. I ask that you would double it. Yeah. And Lord, would you open the seer realm to him? Mm-hmm. Would you let him see the lights? In Jesus' name, amen. Man. I don't know if that was, I don't know if that was really nice of you to do to me or not. I don't know if I want to see that stuff. I'm easily distracted. <laughs> if I see lights, you got I'd be like, what, what, what? I am a seer, but I do see in the temporal realm. By the way, um, uh, how many of you here were last night? Isn't that fun? That's great. Isn't that fun? What was so great about it is I thought I got done at eight, but I realized that your clock was never changed back. So I just kept going because I thought, wow. And he told me to be done today by like 12, 15, 12, 30, so, which means I got like two hours left. So I am a, just teasing, don't worry. I'm, I am a clock watcher. I'm very time conscious, so don't worry. But, you know, I am in the spirit. So in the spirit realm, there's no time. <laughs> You know, one of my favorite verses is in Acts 19, it says that in Ephesus, in that church of Ephesus, that Paul did strange and unusual miracles. And I think he would be really comfortable here because you guys are strange and unusual. I mean that in a really good way. (laughs) So I didn't expect to be in a church like this today. Um, I don't know how many of you did, but welcome to Honky Tonk Church and... um, you know, I, I'll be just in another few weeks, uh, one, one year from my motorcycle accident, but I ended up finding out that I had to have a shoulder surgery uh, in October. I, I was rehabbing pretty good. I was actually three months out almost, and I was able to press a whole 20 pounds of shoulder presses, and uh, I was, did my first push-up. It took me three months to get there. I thought I was doing pretty good, but then I found out a full tear. I was pressing 20 pounds with a full tear tear rotator cuff and a ripped bicep tendon. So, um, yeah, not good. So, so I, I had to cancel everything. All my meetings got pushed back to the last three months of the year. I had nine meetings um, that got pushed back, and I just wiped the slate clean so I could get shoulder surgery. So I, it took me, you know, it's a good recovery. Anybody that had that, it's brutal. Don't get it unless you need it. And even if you need it, I might recommend you just suck it up. <laughs> it's tough recovery. But, um, I, uh, I told my admin, you know, I'm just going to take two events a month for the first six months because I'm still recovering, <laughs> brain injury, ribs, shoulder, all that kind of stuff. 2020, does this say 2020? We're all still recovering. I'm like 90%, so don't feel bad for him. 90% recovered from 2020, and, um, and most of you aren't that far along, so I'm okay. I'm better than you guys. Because here in Texas, you don't think anything happened. You guys are, you guys are all post, you got a PTSD, post-Texas syndrome <laughs> you guys think that anyway have fun i like it down here i don't have to wear masks i can hug people i just have to go back and quarantine for 14 days because you guys are diseased that's what they tell me up there <laughs> so we're all good I'm, and by the way this is um this is compliments it's because i like you i talk this way because <laughs> i'm from the northeast the more i like you the meaner i am you know I me. Mean? I always say when I come down here, you guys drink sweet tea, but we drink tea like life is, dark and bitter tea, because that's the way life is in the north, okay? Your life is sweet, but our life is bitter. <laughs> uh, where was that? I can't remember. Oh, so, so this, actually this month I'm taking three, three events, because um, my friend Troy 
texted me and he's like, dude, you've had a rough year. You need to come down to Texas and shoot stuff. And I'm like, okay. Because I, I live in Connecticut. We're not allowed to shoot anything up there. And so um, if you're listening from Connecticut or California, it, I'm just going to be shooting rocks and stuff over the next couple days <laughs> and shooting the breeze, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, so he said, yeah, and you can come preach at, at my church. And so I'm like, I told um, Justin the other day, I'm not working this weekend because I'm only working two weekends this month and this isn't one of them. So this isn't work for me, by the way. Last night was not work. It was total fun for me. And if you, some of you were thinking, wow, he's having too much fun with prophecy. Well, that's just the way it is. If it ain't fun, it ain't done. So how about the family that was sitting over here? Where are you sitting tonight? The ones I talked to the little kid. And, okay. Oh, you're still there in the same place. You're, are you the mom? Okay. You had a hat on last night. Okay. Okay, so I was messing with your youngest boys there. Was I okay with what I said to them? Absolutely. The math and the drums of them? Spot on. Spot on? Okay, so, so good. He plays drums? Well, we, my father gave us a drum set. We just had to put it together to get it to play. Ah, so you already have it. Yes, sir. So you're going to put it together today, bud? <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> Man, this guy won't even believe a prophecy. Okay, no worries. <laughs> so how about if I mess? Do you have any, any of your other kids here today? Yeah, well, I believe it now. Okay, I believe it now. Okay. So is it okay if I mess with your... Since you're, you guys are fun, so can I mess with your family a little bit more? Okay, so Judah. And who's this guy? Elijah. Elijah. What's the one that's missing? What's his name like? We're missing Caleb, Nathan, Jacob, Daniel. Where's Mephibosheth? Where's that? Get creative here. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he walked with God and he was no more like Enoch. Okay, Enoch, that would be a good one. Okay, so we have Judah in the back right there, okay? The creative one, right? The, the artsy one, right? So, so the artsy, creative Judah, um, you know, there's a song and dance in you, and God really likes that about you. So, like, God, there's a scripture that says that God rejoices over us with singing, and that just means God, God's got a song and dance about you. And so I feel like there's, there's this actor in you that's, acts out sometimes but wants to get out and it and so there's a stage presence about you too and I feel like God's really going to put you on a stage where you can act and sing maybe dance because God's a dancing God and and I feel like that um, God's going to open up a door for you to use this kind of um, creative arts in that way stage arts to bring the gospel to people in in new ways but there's also a a, a script writing gift in you and I feel like God's going to give you parables that you're going to write scripts and plays that will present the kingdom to people in a new way. Is any of this making sense to you? Feel like, yeah, maybe this is me? Okay, good, because it is, in case you didn't know. Because <laughs> I'm right. Okay, just, just season me. So, so this is really good because I feel like there's part of you that other people don't understand, but God understands it completely. And there's other parts of you that, um, and I'm going to say this really sensitively, but truly, like you have a gift with people in the creative arts industry, and I have a daughter that's a, a, a major in um, dramatic arts in, in um, musical theater. And so she has a lot of friends who are very artsy, but they're, they, they're, they don't understand their identity. And I really feel like the Lord has given you a grace to be able to understand who you are and your identity, and you're going to help people who got, have gotten confused in, in even gender identity, sexual identity, those kinds of things. We can talk about this in church. It's part of culture. You're going to help them really be introduced to the Father so they can know their, their true identity and really love them into the kingdom. And I, and, I, and I want to just say to you, man, well done for knowing who you are and knowing also navigating relationships where you could be a friend of sinners, but you don't have to let them influence you that Jesus was. Jesus had some really, really... And he was criticized for the people he hung around with. And so I really believe that God is bringing some strength in you because also there are things that people need to get free from in order to be who they're really called to be. And you're going to help some of your friends get free from things that have kept them from discovering who they really are. So, yeah, so we're just going to declare over him free three times because he's going to bring people to freedom. So let's do it. One, two, three. Free, free, free. And, and I just, Lord, release uh, even greater um, creativity, the writing um, gifts. And I feel like there's even some things 
that you're going to be doing um, academically that are going to require some writing and some things that are going to require writing that. You're going to have a grace. You're going to see it flow really good in this next season. Amen. Cool. Here you go, Judah. Bless you. All right. Is that okay, Mama? Okay. All right. And Elijah? What was it? Elijah. Man, you got to live up to a lot there. So Elijah. Um, You know, I really feel like Elijah... um, it's funny because when we think of Elijah in the Bible, he's not like a real quiet guy. You know what I mean? And he's had a little volatile temper, wanted to you know, call down fire. Actually, he did call down fire and burned people up. <laughs> and you're kind of the opposite. I feel like you're just this, this still waters that run really deep. Um, and there's, there's a steadiness about you that's going to help steady people around you. Um, because I see um, literally like a whirlwind of activity around you that um, you're going to be able to stay calm in the middle of that storm. And I feel like the, even some transitions that have happened they haven't expected vocationally um, is, is going to start to settle out in this next season. And what looked like a downsizing or a demotion is going to turn into a promotion. And there's an, a, new, a new upgrade that's coming for you vocationally. And it's going to lead you guys to an upgrade um, are you guys together? Cause you, okay, you look really close. Okay, cool. I, I feel like there's a new housing situation that's going to come to you. It's going to be really super good. Um, it's going to be space that's going to open up for you for the family that God has for you um, that's, that's coming for you. And also, I feel like outdoor space is important for you. So, and are, and are, are you feeling like a sense of, of like looking for a house? Are you in that space? Because I feel like there's a space God has for you with outdoor space. It's really important that you're going to have outdoor space to entertain people, to have people there. And it's, it's really going to be beautiful. And you, you're up here worshiping, right? And so you have a real good gift, of, a heart of worship. But I feel like the Lord says you create a really good space for his presence, but also for people. And I feel like it's almost like an interior decorator would create an amazing space for people to feel welcome. You're like an interior decorator for God's, for God's house, right? And so... Uh, and, I, and I feel like you're going to help other people to, um, I even feel like there's a craftiness about you that you'll create things that people want to hang in their house. And it's going to have a sense of God's presence. And I feel like this might even have to do with a business opportunity, a little side business for you to create things out of a place of worship with God that people will put like as decorations and there'll actually be a sense of God's presence that'll be with that. Because I feel like that, you guys have made space for God's presence in your home, and you're going to actually help other people create space in their home for God's presence as well. So we just bless you, in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, cool. I'm going to do a few more because, as as I demonstrated um, last night, I'm, my my brain might get a little loopy by the end. So, <laughs> still about ninety percent brain healed from the brain injury. So we're doing good. Um, let's see, um, who do I want to talk to now? Oh, I want to. I like. I like these dudes. I want to talk to you because you're cool. What's your name? Lillian. Say it, Lillian. Lillian. Everybody say hi, Lillian. Hi, Lillian. Oh man, I like Lillian. Um, are Lillian's parents around? Where are they at? Okay, I just want to see you and say hi. Okay, so God has given Lillian a really sensitive heart. Like a, it's a, it's like a discernment. We would use the word. It's a fancy word, but it means like. Sometimes she's going to be very sensitive to atmospheres. And so you'll find her like uh, very sensitive if she watches things that stir up her sensitivity. It'll affect the way she feels. And some people will affect the way she feels. So she'll be really gravitate towards some and feel distance from others. It's not the people. It's more the atmosphere of the spirit that she's, that she's used to. And, and, and I'm going to say this and it sounds spooky. I know it does, won't sound spooky for you to say it, but I say it because other people are watching and people know me. There, but, but she's very aware of spiritual atmosphere and even sees angelic things. That's biblical. We're not trying to overreact to that kind of a thing. But it's important to know because um, one of the things that she's going to come into a place is where she really has authority. And, and worship is a key right now for her in creating a sense of God's presence because um, she's going to be able to go in and shift like negative atmospheres spiritually. And, and so knowing her authority is going to keep her from um, reacting in fear to things that she's supposed to have faith in. 
And so we just declare over Lillian that she has fear over faith. And also, Lillian, can you look at me? Um, God wants you to know that um, you make him laugh. Because you have this ability to make up silly songs sometimes. When, when you're just by yourself and you'll sing songs about something silly like, I like peanut butter and jelly. I like peanut butter and jelly. So you can make up these silly songs. And God likes your silly songs because the, the day is going to come when you're going to make up spiritual songs. Like they're called prophetic songs. And so she's going to have this spontaneity about her that she's going to have spiritual songs. And there is a, um, a musical gift in her that's going to start to emerge. And I see your hands playing on the keyboard. So can you put your hands out for me, Lillian? Just bless your hands that they're going to worship God. And we bless your voice that it's going to worship God and that you're going to sing silly songs and spiritual God songs to God and bring other people to know him. Amen. All right, bless you, Lily. Cool. Um, then there's a there's a dude with the glasses, a young dude there. What's your name, buddy? Caden. Caden. You know, everybody say hi, Caden. Hi, cool glasses, by the way, bro. Seriously, like you, you're lucky to grow up in a time when glasses are cool. Because when I was your age, I had to wear glasses and they weren't cool. And then I had a dad who thought he could fix everything with duct tape. So when I broke them, so. So you either have to learn to fight or run <laughs> you know, situations like that. But you're cool because you, ha- you know who you are, right? And by the way, you do look cool. The glasses are cool. The hair's cool, by the way. Super cool hair. Um, but God, you know who you are, and you're going to be able to help stand up. And here's what I heard the Lord say. You're going to stand up against bullies, and you're going to stand up for people who are being bullied. And God wants you to know that that he is like that he the devil's a bully that bullies people and he stands up for us and i feel like god god is going to make you this guy who doesn't like injustice and i hear him kind of like when he was younger stomping his feet going that's not fair that's not fair and he's that person who doesn't like when people are mistreated and god's going to use him um to bring justice into into certain situations but also there's a sharp intellect that you have and um you have a really good ability to state your opinions. You're not argumentative. You, ha- you have a good ability to state your opinions. And, wh- and, and a good lawyer knows how to, how to argue both sides of the opinion. And I actually, when I see justice over you, I, I feel like you could actually walk in the legal realm and you could actually bring justice to people and defend those who need defense because of the way that God has made you. And so, yeah, we just bless you in Jesus' name. You know one of Jesus' titles? He's called an advocate. And that word advocate means lawyer. So God really likes the justice system. He likes lawyers. Maybe you guys don't. <laughs> but he does. And, and so Jesus was a Jewish lawyer. <laughs> and a carpenter. Well, he was, he was a new creation lawyer. So, yeah, we just bless you with justice. We're going to declare justice over him three times. Ready? One, two, three. Justice, justice, justice. And he's going to make it fair for people. Amen. It's cool. cool. I'd be interested to see what happens out of that. It's a big word for a little guy, but, I, uh, you know, I've seen lots of things like that happen. And that can express itself in many different ways. And so don't let what you feel God has said to you or that someone else says to you that they feel is from God limit you, let it ex- expand your thinking. So I don't say those things to limit anybody. That's my little disclaimer when it comes. To, and I think it's important that we treat prophecy well because <laughs> we had, pro- let's just face it, prophets had a rough year. <laughs> not, just a, not just itinerants, bro. <laughs> prophets had a rough year. I, I joked, I, I did a, I got a, we all were on Zoom. So I said I had 50 meetings canceled, but I had 100 meetings that were added on Zoom. <laughs> Just didn't get paid for them, but I was I went all around the world and from my basement, right? But I was doing a um, I was doing at the beginning of the year this kind of one of these big Zoom things with all these known people and you know what's happening for 2021, you know, and uh, I I um, we were on before the actual live thing went and we're all just chatting and and they're like, man, how are you feeling after your accident? I'm like, yeah, well, I had surgery too. I said I actually haven't been online for almost three months because I just knocked out. I took 
um, two months after my surgery in October, I said, which was good because I missed the whole elections. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you were the tipping point. You were the one that was... I'm like, no, bro, I didn't have to go on an apology tour, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> anyway, we were just joking with each other and having fun. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I am kind of happy for that. But it was rough. I'll be honest with you. It was, it was rough for us. I, I was shooken a little bit by it. And um, I had to go back out in January my first time. And I remember saying to my wife, I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm really struggling. I don't even know if I'm like, I believe in prophecy anymore. Like, I don't know if I, I mean, because the Bible says, do not despise prophesying. You will put out the Spirit's fire, right? I think it's in Thessalonians. Is that right? If Rich was here, he'd tell us. He knows I always have to look at him if I say something about prophecy, because I'm like, are you okay with that? I don't want to throw you guys off. And like, I know I'm right, but I just want to make sure you guys are on the same page as me. So don't despise prophesying. You put out the Spirit's fire. And we, we a lot of times look at that, and we say, well, you know, you, you need to love prophecy, or else you won't have the Holy Spirit. But actually, Paul's talking to a church that loved prophecy. He said, don't, the word there's despise is treat it contemptuously, lightly. Don't diminish its worth or its value. And so we can despise prophecy by ignoring it and saying we don't want it because that's treating it lightly. But we can also despise it by treating it flippantly and lightly. And when I am lighthearted in the way that I minister in the gifts of the Spirit, it doesn't mean that I treat it lightly. I carry great awe and respect around the word of the Lord. I, I do that to make it more palatable for other people and so they can, can receive it especially when I'm talking to young people. But I also believe that um, I think God is bringing us to a place of maturity in the prophetic and that some of the shenanigans you do when you're a teenager, you can't do when you're an adult. And so God exposed some of our shenanigans. That's what my dad used to say. Son, I'm tired of your shenanigans. And I'm like, what? what is shenanigans? By the way, you guys can tell me what that is. Sounds like a leprechaun, shenanigans. It's probably an Irish thing. My dad's Irish side, just shenanigans. So, so anyway, I went out and I told my wife, I'm just not sure. You know, I, I haven't been out for a while and, I'm, and I don't know how people are going to respond to the prophetic. And so we went to this church in uh, Pennsylvania. It's a large church and we did, I did a weekend. It was my first event out for six months. And the pastor took literally 10 minutes introducing me, sharing like three years of words that I gave over the church, like, crazy things that I said that I don't even remember I said. <laughs> I was like, you give me, give me credit for stuff I didn't say. But it gave me understanding that we have a beautiful gift called prophecy that God's given to the church to build us up, to encourage us. So don't despise it, right? Don't treat it lightly. Don't ignore it. Don't treat it contemptuously, but eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially Okay, all that is done. I'm done with that. That's my soapbox, and I still have some time left, so let's talk. I want to talk to you today about trust issues, all right, because you guys have trust issues. <laughs> we all have trust issues. It's just some people have bigger trust issues than others. This is kind of where we ended off last night, uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. We're going to go there, then we're going to go to a couple other scriptures if you're following along, because I know they don't have them on the screen. So we're going to go to John 2, we're going to go to Matthew 14, and we're going to go to John 14. I'm going to share those with you again, but if you're a note taker or if you're watching online, of course, or recorded, you'll be able to follow this better. Romans 15, John 2, Matthew 14, and John 14. We're going to get there in a second. Okay, this is Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with joy, all joy, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. By the way, joy and peace, what are they? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So what is he saying? You, that, that, that while you trust him, you re, when you put your trust in him, it releases the atmosphere of God's kingdom into your life. And so the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I talked to you about that last night, that trust in God, trusting God is measured by the level of joy and peace I have before the realization of what I hope in. And so when, I, when we say, you know, in God we trust as a nation, or we tell people, well, things are going crazy in the world, just trust God, it doesn't mean just you know, blindly trust that everything's going to work out. It means, first of all, who you put your 
trust in is important. Because if you're putting your trust in the God of hope, it's a God who has actually created the end of your story before you started to read the book. The word hope means an expected ending there, which means God, is, God knows the end of the story here. And uh, uh, some people say, you know, God wrote the end of the book and we win, right? We, I read the end of the book and we win. And that's, that's an easy way to say it, but because that's the blessed hope that in the end, his kingdom comes and he rules and he reigns and there's a new heaven and new earth and that's good. But what about right here and right now? Can I trust him in 2021 after I went through it, what, what I went through in 2020? Can I trust God? Here's how I know if I'm really trusting him. If I still have joy and peace before I realize my hope, then guess what? I'm trusting God. And so now that gives me a measurement to understand now I can, uh, I can actually realize if I'm trusting God because if I'm happy and peaceful, even though life stinks, man, I really filtered that out very quickly. Life stinks. Life stinks and I'm happy and peaceful because my trust is in him. You, you with me? Okay, so let's talk about your trust issues. Turn to the person next to you and say, I have trust issues. <laughs> now, you, we know when you say that, that their trust issues are bigger than your trust issues. Don't worry. I know that. Like, if my wife was here, I'd say I have trust issues. But I'd, in my head, I'd be going, yeah, but they ain't nothing like yours, honey. I'm just saying. <laughs> because someone else's trust issues always look bigger to you. You know, it's, it's the... <laughs> It's the splinter in someone else's eye looks bigger than the log in your own. So it's like your trust issues are bigger than mine. And also, we can also let other people's trust issues give us trust issues. <laughs> it's like, oh man, your trust issues are making me have trust issues. And Jesus experienced, we, you got to understand that Jesus understood this. He was a, Jesus had trust issues. And he had to deal with other people's trust issues. Do you know that Jesus, when he preached his first sermon, it's, it's a great passage, by the way. You should look at it sometimes. A great story. It's in Luke chapter 4. Jesus gets up to preach his first sermon, picks a great passage. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim the acceptable the year of the Lord's favor, right? He preaches this great message, revealing to his audience, his hometown of Nazareth, in the synagogue, who he is. And he sits down in Elijah's seat, by the way. He sits down prophetically, and then they get upset. Because, why? Why would they get upset for Jesus preaching his first sermon? And by the way, what they do to him is just slightly better than what happened to me when I preached my first sermon. They actually took him and tried to throw him off a cliff <laughs> after he preached. And I, anybody who's been in church long enough knows there's a bunch of cliffs that Christians like to push people off of. Amen? All right. How many people have been... <laughs> pushed off a cliff or they've tried to. We're going to talk about that in a second because these people had trust issues. They were expecting the Messiah to come in a certain way from a certain place. And they knew, in fact, it says they were offended at him because they said, isn't this Joseph's son, the carpenter? Isn't he from here, from Nazareth? They were offended because who he said he was didn't match up with their expectations. And I want to tell you, whenever you allow yourself to be defined by someone else's disappointment, it will let their trust issues become yours. They were disappointed because of what happened. They were expecting something different, and their disappointment wanted to redefine who Jesus was. But Jesus said, I'm anointed. I am the anointed one. He did not let their trust issues make him, let him have trust issues. And sometimes what happens is we experience things in life, and our disappointment starts to define our expectations, our hope. Because it didn't happen Last year is not going to happen. This year, last year was bad. This year is going to be worse. What, what are we doing? We're allowing our trust issues to create trust issues. And Jesus, he, he, they take him out. It says they drive him out of the tabernacle, the temple or the synagogue. They take him to the edge of town and they take him to a cliff and they try to throw him off a cliff. Now, what do you do when the church tries to throw you off a cliff? What you do whenever someone tries to create trust issues and you determines whether or not their trust issues become your trust issues. And Jesus, it says, disappears through the crowd. That's interesting to me because if it was me, I would have been like, I'd, I'd, like, I'd like elbow them. I'd be like tripping them. <laughs> you know, 
you try to throw me off a cliff, guess what? I'm taking a few people down with me. Right? Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever had the church try to throw you off a cliff? I'm just saying. Okay, I'm getting a little too close to home. That's why you're quiet. Not that you don't get it. It's like you're going, ah, I don't want to say amen because people will know. Okay, we know. You got trust issues, bro. Okay. Let me just tell you something. The Bible has trust issues too. The Bible has trust issues because the word trust here, I read it from the New International Version. And anybody else read it from a different version from that in your Bible when you read it? It says when you put your faith in him or your hope in him or your belief in him. Because the word trust here is also translated as faith or belief in other places. But they mean the same thing in the context. It means trust. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to define why it is that way. Because if we're going to get over our trust issues, we got to fix our trust filter, our trust filter, which means we define trust in a certain way. Now, I understand we all have filters. Um, some of us need a better filter when we talk, right? Anybody know a person like that? Like they don't have a filter at all. Troy, I'm not looking your way. Don't worry. <laughs> I love that about Troy. A lot of times prophetic people don't have filters. Like we just say whatever comes to our head and we think everything that comes to our head's God. So we just say it, right? And so, <laughs> must be God. It came to my head. I said it. I'm, I must, must be right. Must be God. And so, and we all have filters. It's part of, um, it's part of communication. Now, actually, I took a communications class in high school. It's required English course. And um, I almost failed it. I was supposed to do a three-minute informational speech. I did it in 30 seconds. And I said everything three times that I knew that I was going to say about the topic. And my teacher came to me at the end of the semester and said, Look, I can't fail you because if I fail you in this class, you won't graduate. It's a required course. He goes, But you have to promise me. I'm going to give you a D, but you have to promise me you won't take public speaking as a career. I said, absolutely not, because I had no plans. I'm like, absolutely not. I'm going to become an accountant. What, you know, I would, I would have been a terrible accountant, by the way. All right. So I found out in communication class, one of the only things I remember, other than I had grace to pass, was that whenever a communicator communicates, the sender sends the information and the receiver receives it, but they pass through something called filters, experience, education, culture, all those things are some of the filters, right? <clears throat> now, that's good technical language, but let me tell you how this really works, okay? I, I, I didn't figure this out in high school. I figured this out when I got married. <laughs> Your spouse has filters. Be aware of them. So when we got married... Uh, we did instituted something called date night, um, where, you know, you go out and you get dressed up and you do stuff that you do on a date. And you're first married and stuff, and it was good. And so date night, my wife got ready and she came out. I was watching TV. I don't remember what I was doing, but I do remember her saying, honey, how do I look? I know. You guys all know the story, how this is going to go, right? I said, you look fine. Oh, no. My wife has filters when it comes to the word Fine. Because in her family, the word fine meant subpar, barely acceptable, that's just fine. And so she went, she walked out. And it took me five outfits and 30 minutes to discover how to say the word fine so we could get through her filters. Can I tell you how to do it? Because this will help every young man here. This will help you. How long have you been married? Almost a year. Almost a year. This will super help you, dude. You need this. Okay. All right. Here's how you say the word fine. All right. You lean in. If you can raise one eyebrow and not the other one, that's even better. Like raise it really high. And then you say it like you're like from East Texas. All right. Or if you're from North, you just say like you're anywhere in the South. You're fine. You look fine. <laughs> and if you really want to make emphasis... Don't, don't make fine like the adjective, like you are fine, you look fine. Make it like the verb or the noun, like you fine. And then, you're, then you're in. Like, so it, it, I'm not just describing how you look. I'm actually you are the noun fine. You hear me, honey? I'm saying that for you. You fine, honey. Right? So 
That's the same thing with trust. Like we have to fix our, our trust filter here because we don't understand because there's certain things that work with trust in a human relationship that are probably healthy, but they don't work in relationship with God like this. Trust, but verify. Like that's really good when you're dealing with like the Russians or the Chinese or something like like, like trust, but verify, or, or maybe even certain political parties. <laughs> Sorry, I should have not gone there. I'm just saying trust, but verify, because when you're dealing with human beings, you trust, but you also you want to create healthy boundaries. Does that make sense? That doesn't work with God. How about this? Um, like, trust demands proof. Prove it to me that I can trust you. Or trust, this is what my dad uses. Trust, son, trust is earned. It's earned. You know what that means? It could be lost too, right? So, so trust is earned. Which, so, now, some of that is healthy. Some of it becomes toxic, I'll be honest with you, because sometimes pe- who gets to define wh- if I've earned it or not? You? Well, you, but if you, you can't trust anyone, then I'll never, you're never going to trust me, right? But now when it comes to God, this isn't the case at all. It's, we need to trust him, not, and, and not just because he's God. I'm going to tell you why. And Jesus understood this. Watch, check this out. In John chapter 2, Jesus understood that people had trust filters. Jesus, remember after he got thrown off the cliff, what did he do? He disappeared through the crowd. So look, if you've gone through a tough time in a relationship, you've been abused, you've been hurt, you've been hurt by the church, you've been hurt by a spouse, you've been hurt by expectations of other people, don't let people define you by their disappointment, but don't also take on their trust issues. You disappear through the crowd. Jesus understood, like, I'm not going to try to defend myself here because defending myself will actually put me in a place where I, I agree with their definition that I have to prove somehow. He just disappeared. And sometimes you just have to disappear. Sometimes you have to disappear and then reappear later. And actually, this is what happened with Jesus. He went to Jerusalem and he started doing miracles. And the same people that didn't believe in him in Nazareth, saw him. They went down there to the temple too for the feast and they saw him do miracles. And later on, they actually really liked him. He came back to Galilee and they celebrated him. But something happened in Jerusalem when he started to do miracles. It says in John 2, 23 to 24. Now, while he was in Jerusalem for the Passover, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. That's the word trust. They trusted in his name. But Jesus would not entrust, same word there as they believed, Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all people. Now, was the Jesus have trust issues? Which it said Jesus didn't entrust himself. And some people would preach this like you got to have boundaries against toxic people. There's some people you got to get out of your life because they're toxic. Jesus wasn't afraid of their influence on him. And I, look, I believe in like some of the things that we're learning about self-care and emotional health, and that's all a good thing in, in life. We need to be healthy people. But I think there's some things that the church has taken on that are pop culture stuff that's not kingdom culture stuff. If you are, if you are not understanding of your identity so much that somewhat toxic person can make you toxic... That doesn't mean that you get around them and you deal with it. You don't create codependency with it. But you also, Jesus, all he had was toxic people. If Jesus got all the toxic people out of his life, the church would be Jesus. And that's it. You have the solution to toxicity. That's wholeness. That's healing. That's sozo. Now, do you have to have proper, healthy relationship boundaries? Absolutely. But Jesus didn't entrust themselves to him, not because they were impacting him so badly. Like, you guys, you just don't get me. Oh, now I got to go. No. Why? Because they were putting their trust in him. Why? Why? Read it. Somebody tell me. Because, he, because of what he did. They were, belie- they were putting their trust in him because his signs that he did. What does that tell you? Their faith was in his performance, not in his person. That's the difference between trusting God and trusting people. We don't trust in performance. We trust in his person. Trust isn't about performance. Trust is about a relationship. 
Trust isn't about do something for me. Trust is that you're here with me. Trust, so Jesus understood because he actually did this to protect them. He did this because he wanted to help them. He didn't want them to put their trust in a sign because he, because he goes on to say later, it's a wicked and perverse generation that needs a sign. What does that mean? It means that your thinking hasn't been straightened out if you only believe because you have a sign. Now, I believe in signs and wonders, but I don't believe in him because of signs and wonders. I do signs and wonders because I believe in him. It's a difference. So I don't pray for the sick to prove that I'm a healer. I pray for the sick because I'm, Jesus made me his son, and he said, if you lay your hands on the sick, they'll recover. I don't prophesy because I have to prove that I can hear God's voice. I prophesy because God talks to me and he helps me to talk to others for him. He wants me to do it. There's a difference in our identity being placed in what we do and our identity being placed in who he is. Get me? You, you with me? So, so this translates into our life and where we are right now because If the world goes to hell and it shakes our trust in God, guess what? We've had our faith in God by what what other people do and whatever happens. And if if what happens in this world can shake your trust in God, then you had your trust in the wrong place anyway. And I think that's one thing that has been exposed in the church in this season. How much we trusted in government, how much we trusted in circumstance and with the medical community, how much we trusted in the prophetic community, how much we trusted in the church organizationally, and all that's been shaken, but it doesn't have to shake your trust in God, okay? And let me tell you something, it's actually okay. It's okay to have your trust in government shaken. It's okay to have your trust in the church, the organization of the church shaken, When you realize that Jesus died not for an organization. He died for a bride. Okay? And organizations are imperfect. But a bride, is he's coming back for us without spot or without wrinkle. You with me? I know. I'm getting really personal here. And I don't know if there's issues, trust issues in this area around the church. But I'm just saying, God has a church that he's raising up in this area. He needs you to get your trust issues healed. And you're talking to a guy who has major reasons to have trust issues. The only reason I read that story about Jesus is because that happened to me in 2020. And if I said my story, then I would have exposed people. <laughs> I changed the names to protect the guilty. <laughs> See, they can't throw you off the cliff if you're willing to disappear. But don't worry. Keep being who you are and you'll reappear Okay. Some of you just need to say, it's okay to disappear. It's okay. It's better to disappear (laughs) than let yourself be defined by someone else's disappointment or to elbow someone else off the cliff. Just saying. All right. Enough said. How do we get past the trust test? Matthew 14. Look at this. Great story. You know this story. I, I don't even have to read it. I'll read this. I'll read the scripture when we get to the point that I want to make. This is the story of Jesus showing up on one of the worst, scariest storms that the disciples have ever been in. Now, most of these guys that grew up around the water, and they're out in a boat. Jesus has left them. Jesus, (laughs) it's funny. Why would Jesus, knowing there's going to be a storm, leave his disciples out in a boat by themselves? Why? Because he puts us in circumstances that we can now evaluate the level of trust we have. How do we evaluate it? The level of peace and joy that we have in the middle of our circumstances. Because may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. With all joy and peace when you put your trust in him. So how are the disciples doing in the middle of the storm? Joy and peace? Not so much, exactly. So this is a scary storm because it says that they're terrified. They're with great fear in the middle of a storm. And they've been in this, they've been in this boat and they've been in this, on this lake and they've been in storms their whole life. So this is a tough one. So what does Jesus do to help them with their trust issues? What does he do? No, Jesus appears as a ghost. 
true. So the, read, it, read, it, read the story. So Jesus' decision is, I'm going to cure your fear of storms by appearing as something scarier than a storm. A ghost that walks on the storm. And the Bible says, and the disciples screamed in terror when they saw him. Isn't that awesome? I love this. This is like, I think there's a parenting lesson in that, you know? If your kid's afraid of dogs, take them bear hunting. You know what I'm just saying? <laughs> and so... Here's the story here. We know the deal. Peter's out. He walks out on the water, and it sounds like a great story. You're going to YouTube this. If it was me, I'd YouTube it too, right? This is going to be great. I'm going to get some, a million hits on this video. And, and you know what? If you get a million hits on a, on a miracle that you do, hey, more power to you. But there's no reward in heaven. Just saying. Like you spent your reward because men got to see it. And if that's what you want, an earthly reward, hey, awesome. Likes and follows feel good. But I'd rather get to heaven and say, hey, well done. Here's a jewel in your crown. So I'm just saying like, do stuff, but save some, put some stuff in the bank of heaven. Don't put it all on YouTube. Don't put it all on Instagram. Like there's a lot of stuff I don't tell people because I'm selfish. I want to be rewarded in heaven. I don't want an attaboy, a like, a pat on the back, a follow. I don't, I like those like anybody else. I like those like anybody else, but I'm just telling you, put some stuff in the bank of heaven. All right. So Peter gets out of the boat. Now, it doesn't tell us what the other disciples are doing, but I'm thinking they're back there. You know, James and John, sons of thunder, they want to sit on the right and the left. They're thinking this is their chance. So they're going like, yeah, you can do it, Peter. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> James is like, this is great. We're gonna, that storm's going to take them out. We're going to have the right and the left. Mom's going to be so happy with us. John's like struggling. Am I a son of thunder? Or am I the apostle of love? He's like, I don't know. Should we tell him? James is like, no, you shouldn't tell. I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't feel loving. Ah, uh, who cares? Okay. So he listens to his older brother. And then you got like Matthew, who's sort of like good with numbers. You know, he's like calculating the odds. He's like, oh, I don't know. I think the odds are like 100 to 1 that he's going to make it more than two minutes out there. Judas, who likes to make a quick buck, says, I'll bet you 200 bucks he can make it more than one. And Thomas is just like, I doubt he's even going to make it a minute. I just doubt it. I just, that's in my mind, that's how it's going down, right? This is it. This is the whole deal. And so <laughs> Peter's going out and we, we, we see like a Sunday school tour. And Peter says, if it's you, bid me to come to you. Jesus says, it's me, Peter, come. And Peter's like, I'm coming. And, and if it's in the King James, it's like, I cometh. And Jesus is like, cometh, cometh. And it's all beautiful, slow motion, hairs blowing in the wind and and Peter walks in the water. And, no, it's not like anything like that at all. No, it's, it's terrible. It's Peter gets out of the boat and he's drowning. He's literally flailing around. And James and John are like, yeah, high five. You know? And Judas is like, okay, clock's ticking. Let's see. He's counting his money, right? And then Jesus is standing there while Peter's drowning. What's he doing? He's like, oh, this is cute good job. Keep trying. Keep, go ahead. Don't, no, took it try. No, look here. No, 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 no. Don't look at it. Oh, the bubbles are gone. Oh, Peter, Jesus doesn't like stop him from looking like he's failing. Do you know that God is not turning his head away from you when you're flailing around and you're messing up? He's like, Oh, man, he really was working on that anger issue. Oh, he just hit the wall. Oh, that's so cute. He's going to do better. Hey, get your eyes back on me. You know, oh, he's really, he's not responding to those people trying to push him off the cliff. He's just, just oh, good job. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> oh, you're doing so good for a while there, Peter. You know, I, I just love it that Jesus is so okay with our humanity. Is anybody else thankful for that? Anybody else find out they were human last year? I'm just saying like, <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, literally. So let's listen to this. So Jesus comes to Peter. Then Peter got out of the boat. This is uh, Matthew 14, 29. Come, he said to Peter. Then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind. What, what, he, what did he see? The wind. He saw, 
his trust got impacted by what he saw. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith. Same word, trust. He could have been saying, oh, you have little trust. Or you have little faith. Why did you doubt? I love this because Peter actually had his trust issues healed. Peter passed the trust test, not because he was perfect. Peter passed the trust test. Why? I'm going to tell you why. The answer is in why did he get out of the boat? It wasn't to prove something to the other disciples. It wasn't to do a miracle that he could write in a book later on because we see that. Matthew does a good job recording this incident. Probably he was the one who won the money back from Judas. I don't know. Maybe he's like... (laughs) It says, why why did he get out of the boat? Jesus, Peter said to Jesus, if it's you, if it's you, tell me I can come to be with you. Jesus said, come. Why? Because he was not placing his trust in a miracle. He's tracing his plus, tr- tr- put, placing his trust in a person. He got out of the boat. Why was Jesus okay with watching Peter fail and flail? Because he understood that Peter's motivation was just to be with him. I believe God has a lot more grace for our, our imperfections than we do. Certainly more than the church has had historically. But I also believe that Jesus wasn't motivated by teaching Peter to do the right thing. Jesus was motivated by Peter wanting to be with him. And, and something about understanding that I can still come to him even in my failures proves that I trust him. See, some people, they blow, if you blow the trust test, it's like you'll never trust, you got to earn it again, you got to earn it back. How many years is it going to take? And if we define our relationship with God that way, we're going to always flail around while the potential is we could walk on water. But because we're performance-based in our relationship rather than personhood-based in it, we feel like we're failing all the time. And I want to tell you, the Christian life was not meant to be lived feeling like you're a failure all the time. Feeling like you're always blowing it. And the church has sometimes created a system that we feel like we can never live up to. And Jesus created a relationship that actually reaches down and pulls us up to that level. It's called grace. See, when I trust him, it actually enables me to overcome my failures. When I trust him, it actually empowers me to do the supernatural. When I trust him, I actually get to not just please him, but be with him. It's a good word right there. So how, how can we develop this trust? <clears throat> Jesus taught his disciples this. That trust is not about knowing the answers. It's about knowing the person who is the answer. And Jesus, he was about to leave the earth. John 13, 14, and 15, he has this conversation about the Holy Spirit with his disciples. But he, he starts the conversation with, hey, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be leaving. And it creates this whole stir with the disciples. And Peter's like, where are you going? And he's like, oh, don't worry, you can't go anyway. You know, but eventually you will go. And then, you know, another guy, I think Thomas asks, well, how do we get there? And Jesus is like, oh, it's easy. I'm the way, truth and the life. Like, what does that mean? And he said, it means nobody can come to the Father except through me. And then Philip's like, well, show us the Father. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm right here in front of you. I've been here with you all along. How come you haven't seen me? And, and they're all going like, what? Are you, what? Anybody, I mean, you think you're frustrated with people? Can you imagine how frustrating it would be to follow Jesus? Seriously, he never answered questions directly. He always answered them in a way that it created 10 more questions. 
It's like I was confused when I started to talk to you, God, but I'm even more confused after I started talking to you. Does anybody else feel that way? It's like, God, I, I was walking around clueless, so I went to you for answers. And when I started to talk to you, I feel even more clueless than when I, before I started to talk to you. Why is that? Because he doesn't want to stop you from asking questions. As soon as he gives you an answer, you're going to go try to do something and leave him in the dust. He wants to keep you in the conversation. And sometimes the only way to keep you in the conversation is to create so much uncertainty that you're like, I'm not leaving until you give me the answer. He's like, cool, let's keep walking then because it's going to be a while. <laughs> and so Jesus says in John 14, 1 and 2, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe, trust in God, trust also in me. For my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. So there I go for, I go to prepare a place for you. Right there is right there where we're bringing this home right now. Jesus is preparing a place. God, what are you doing right now in the world? I'm preparing a place for you. God, what is going on in the world right now? I'm preparing a place for you. God, what is going on in politics? I'm preparing a place for you. What is going on in the nations? I'm preparing a place for you. What's going on in my family? I'm preparing a place for you. Can you trust that he's preparing a place for you? Well, why doesn't he tell me where it is? He did tell you where it is. So that where I am, you may be also. So how do I get there? Get where he is and you'll get where he's going. But wait, I don't like that because it requires me to leave where I am to get where he is. That's right. You got to disappear through the crowd because if you want to take some people down the cliff with you, you won't get to the place where Jesus has prepared for you. So you got to disappear and reappear back where he is. Where is that place? It's the place he's the father's house that he's preparing for you. Whatever it is, if you lost your job, the place he's preparing for you. If your business got closed down, the place he's preparing for you. If you got down size, the place he's preparing for you, whatever the disruption was for you, it was created so that you could discover a place you never would have discovered if Jesus didn't disappear and then reappear somewhere else. And so God's preparing a place for you. How do I get there? He says it right here. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. This is a really special wording here, but the word heart there has to do with your desire, your imagination. It's your ability to see the unseen realm. And we talked last night about hope. Hope that is seen is not hope at all. Hope is the discovery of what is unseen. And so God has a place that you don't see that he's prepared for you. How do you get there? You can only see it through hope. And hope is discovered in this place of your Heart, your imagination, your ability to trust and believe in God. What Jesus did as appearing as a ghost on the water caused their imaginations to be so stirred outside of the normal. Look what he did. He created a scenario that was so supernatural that it made Peter think, I can do the supernatural. It was so surreal, it got them out of their natural mind. It broke the limitations of, our, of their rational thinking because a ghost is now on top of the storm that it actually created the space so that they could believe for the supernatural. At least one of them could, right? Think about it. Maybe God has blown our minds so much by what happened in this year. So surreal. It's like a dream. When are we going to wake up for it? Maybe the idea isn't we're supposed to, not supposed to wake up from this. We're supposed to create a new dream out of it. Maybe God had to so shatter normal so that we could get ourselves into what seemed like a nightmare so that now we could dream heaven on earth. Maybe God's trying to heal your hope. Maybe he's trying to heal your heart because hope deferred has made your heart grow sick so you can't dream again. You can't think again. But God's prepared a place for you that you can't see. And in order for you to see it, he had to wipe away what you had your trust in before. And now you can't see. What do you do? Trust. Trust in who? The God of hope. The God who sees the end. The God who's prepared the end. The God who wrote the story before you read the book. I'm preaching good now. I'm telling you, your hope and your trust is not in a God who wants you to do what's right. It's a God who dreams about you. A God who desires good things for you. It's the God of hope. And when you realize who you're putting your trust in, then you have joy and peace as you trust in Him. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you overflow 
with hope. What, it, what does that mean? It means that I actually get to be a hope depositor. It means I could almost die, but I could come into a place where I believe that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God came to give life and life to the full. So I take my circumstance of hope deferred, my circumstance of being defined by someone else's disappointment, my circumstance of having my dream die, and I now create a scenario that I think, I, I think that he could do exceedingly abundantly, more than I can ask or think, because what I thought was destroyed. So I need something that's exceedingly abundantly more than I can ask or think. Where does that come from? It doesn't come from reading a book. It doesn't come from listening to a sermon. It comes from putting my trust in the God who's dreamed an infinite future for me, an impossible future for me, an incredible future for me. He said it comes from a God who is a God of hope. That's who I put my trust in. That's who I put my faith in. That's who I put my hope in. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I want you to stand with me to your feet because I believe there might be some people here who have never put their trust in God, never put their faith in God. Come on, Sam, do me a favor. Stand with me to your feet. I'm going to close this. I, I am, I think, on time. Yes, I am. He told me 1230. I'm going to get there. All right. Maybe you've been disappointed by Christians. Maybe you've been disappointed by church. Maybe you're disappointed by culture. Maybe you're disappointed by this sermon. Here's what I can tell you. When you put your trust in Him, the God, the God who sees you better than you see yourself, He sees the end of your story better than you see it. And the reason that you can put your hope in Him is because He's a God who didn't just Listen to me. He didn't just tell you to trust him. He showed you how to trust because he came to be like you. He put himself in an environment where people didn't trust him and he had to deal with his own trust issues. Jesus put himself in an environment where he had to trust his father all the way to the cross. Father, not my will but your will be done. I trust you. And so my will is that I don't get pushed off the cliff. And my will is that I don't get beat up again. My will is that I don't die. But I'm going to give you my will. And I'm going to take your will. He exchanged wills. He exchanged passions. He exchanged dreams with God. And because of that, he trusted God even to the cross. And in the end, he said, Father, into my hand, your hands I commit. I trust my spirit. See, why can you trust him? Because he passed the trust test. The other thing, the reason you can trust him is because he took your trust issues. The Bible says that when Jesus died, that he took who you were, sinner. And he gave you who he is, righteousness. And so there's an exchange, not just of will, but there's an exchange of identity. And so he became the flailing person drowning and he let you be the one standing on top of the storm that's why you can trust him do me a favor just bow your head close your eyes for me for a moment and if you're here and you've never put your faith in jesus you've never given your life to him i want to invite you to put your trust in him today or maybe maybe you just walked away from that trust maybe people throwing you off the cliff made you disappear and you never came back today is your welcome home party but if you say today i want to put my hope my faith my trust in jesus i want you to raise your hand really high and say i want to put my trust in jesus today to give my life to jesus thank you sir thank you sir thank you in the back and i know some of you it may be your welcome home day but some of you may be your first day we're going to pray in just a moment and i want you guys all to pray with me out loud. And if you're giving your life to Jesus for the first time here today, when you're praying this prayer, if it's the first time, I want you to tell one of the pastors, thank you, sir. I appreciate you putting your hand up. You can put it down. And you don't have to have raised your hand, by the way, to do this. The Bible says you just have to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. And that's what we're doing. Put your trust in him through your words. And so let's pray together. Thank you for listening. For more messages and other resources, please subscribe to this podcast or go to our website at www.crosskingdom.org.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.